lot of study guiders are coming in. We're finding that a lot of our folk uh, are using this not only within our own growth groups, a number of our growth groups um, uh, study alongside our sermon series week by week, and this is a great opportunity for that. But also, if you're not in a growth group, well, the response to that is join a growth group. Um, or if you have an opportunity just to be able to connect uh, with a, a smaller group or just on your own, just to be able to reflect on what we've been looking at uh, today. And as uh, Steve mentioned, we're into our fourth week of uh, the series in Jonah. It's just a fantastic story and, uh, well, we've been enjoying preaching it. I hope you've been enjoying um, studying it and reflecting on it and uh, discussing it within your, your groups as, as well. Let's just, um, let's just pause and, and pray that as we open up uh, the Bible, that, that God will uh, speak to us. So, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Your word and your spirit together in the process of transforming us. We don't want to just be the same people. We want to grow. We want to be more like you. So as we reflect on this word this morning, we pray that uh, you will do your work in us in a way that only you can. So here we are. Take us and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now have a think. Have a think. Have you ever had a second chance at something? The first time you did something, uh, something went badly wrong and you got a second chance to have a go at something. Can you think about something like that? I might get the ball rolling. Um, about 20 years ago, Angie and myself and our four kids, we, we did our annual pilgrimage down to see family in, in Victoria. And we were travelling down for Christmas with our family about 20 years ago. The four kids in the back of the Toyota Tarago and we're hitting the highway. And we were on our way down through the centre of New South Wales and we, we got to Forbes. And let me just tell you, if you ever travel through Forbes in central west New South Wales, there is a, a speed sign on the outside of the town that says 100, and before you know it, you're in a 50 zone. I can tell you that from personal experience, that um, we were driving... I'm not going to tell you who was driving. Well, it wasn't the four kids, it was either Angie or myself, so I'm not going to get you to make fun of everybody through this, but um, we, we got caught doing 80 in a 50 zone as we were entering Forbes. Now, anyone who knows, if you're doing 80 in a 50 zone, that's, that's loss of licence and a significant fine. And if it's school holidays, double you know, demerits and fines and all of that sort of thing. And you can just imagine the, the dread on our faces. We got, we got pulled over, I'm not telling you who's driving, who got pulled over... And we're thinking, oh, what has this done to our holiday, fines, demerit, loss of licence or whatever. The police officer came over, we wound the window down. He looked in the window and saw our poor four kids with forlorn looks on their faces. This poor, poor family on their way to Victoria. You know what? We must have caught him on a really good day because he let us off with a warning. How would you feel 
How would you feel if you've got that dread on your face that we've stuck with this significant fine, loss of license, whatever, at the start of your holiday and we have been, we've been let off with simply a warning? Imagine how we felt. The, the feeling from absolute dread through to, we've got a second chance. Now, the driver of that particular vehicle... Um, Learned, learned a bit of a lesson that holiday and we were extra careful looking out for the, the speed signs and all those things from tower. We, we drove much more carefully after that because we got this second chance. And today we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah and we see this whole uh, story of Jonah revolves around this second chance and we're going to be spending our time in chapter three today i know it's a bit weird we're up to week four and we're in chapter three but anyway i won't discuss that at the moment so we're up to up to chapter three and we're going to be looking through all of chapter three it's not a long chapter but before i read chapter three let's do a little bit of a recap <clears throat> chapter one a few weeks ago we looked at god spoke to the prophet jonah and said go to nineveh and uh, preach against the Ninevites because they're evil and, and, and I want you to turn them around. And what did, did Jonah do? He, he himself turned around and headed the other way and he tried to get as far away from Nineveh as possible, ends up on a boat, God sets up a, a storm. Uh, long story short, Jonah gets thrown overboard uh, and he ends up in the belly of a, a, a whale. Now, we, we looked at this last week. Here's Jonah in the belly of this fish and he suddenly realises the error of his ways, that he's been in rebellion and disobedience all of this time and he repents and he repents of his sin of disobedience and rebellion and then God miraculously saves him and sustains him in the belly of this fish and then spits him up on the, on the beach. And there he is. And this is where we arrive now in chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, follow along with me. We're going to put the words up on the screen as, as well, just so that you can uh, follow along with me. Now, as we start this, if you've got your Bibles with you, thumb through to chapter 1, verse 1, and have a comparison between Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, you'll find that there are some similarities. I'll let you work that one out. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent 
and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Just another one of these amazing twists in this whole fantastic story. Chapter 1 and 2 talks all about Jonah's rebellion and his disobedience and his foolishness. And the, the story now takes this complete turn since Jonah has been released from uh, the, the whale miraculously that God does this amazing thing and then leads Jonah into Nineveh. Now remember, the Ninevites, as we talk here, here is, is probably one of the most evil and violent and ruthless people on the planet at that time. We're talking about these d d despicable acts and completely godless. And here we see here that they completely turn, completely turn from being against God to God. So what happens here? In what ways did the Ninevites respond? And I'm going to look at three ways this morning that, that um, the Ninevites responded and maybe for us to consider what that means for us. And you've got, you've got them here in your, your study guide so you can follow along with that as well. Three ways that they responded and the first one is this, they responded immediately. Immediately, can you, can you see that within that in, in chapter 3 there? Um, and we, we pick it up particularly in, in verse 5. It says, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. It seems to be something that's happened very suddenly. Now the text here says that Nineveh is a big city. It says it's so big in fact that it takes three days to go through it. Now, we're not talking about driving through it, we're talking about walking through it. Now, you would think that um, even back in those days, this is a very, very vast city. Now, think of probably a city the size of um, Brisbane or somewhere like that. Imagine if you started, you know, right over in Ipswich and started walking east or somewhere like that. You know, it'd be something on that scale that'd take you three days to go through. And yet, it seems to imply here in this passage that he's starting to walk through it, proclaiming the news of God's word to the people in, in this place and people are responding straight away. Can you see that in the text? They're responding straight away. He hasn't even got to the three days, hasn't even got to the other side of the city and they're responding immediately. Now, I know that there's uh, a lot of people who, when they consider the story of Jonah, they go, I find that the story of Jonah really hard to believe. You know, this whole being swallowed by a whale and being in the belly of a whale for three days and then being spat up again. I mean, that whole thing is so hard to believe. And I, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that, that it's hard to believe. But do you know what? I reckon probably what's even harder to believe is that a completely godless nation that's ruthless and violent that in one day would turn to God. I reckon that's probably a bigger miracle than somebody surviving in the belly of a fish. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I don't know if you've ever seen in your lifetime a whole city turn to God in one day. Doesn't happen very often, does it? It's a miracle. Turning immediately from their ways. Imagine, imagine if I travelled to Ukraine unarmed and walked up to the uh, Russian soldiers and says, put down your arms, please. And they did what I said and put down their arms. And I just kept walking across into the Russian border and I walked all the way to the Kremlin. And I said to Putin, I said, Putin, stop this war. And he puts down um, all decrees and says that uh, there will be no more war because John said so. That, that would be a miracle, would it not? Hmm. It'd be a good thing if it did happen, but, you know, it, it would be an absolute miracle with one person who's Jonah, this r- radical, rebellious person who ends up going to Nineveh, this completely godless place, starts talking and people listening. That would be an absolute miracle. Now, it's particular, particularly noticeable when you compare the response of Nineveh to that of, of Jonah. Think about this, and we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. In chapter 1 of Jonah, we read that Jonah knew God and yet he avoided being obedient, did he? He, he knew the God, he, he worshipped the God of Israel and yet he refused to be obedient. And contrast that to the Ninevites who didn't know God but they did everything that they could to obey God in one day, a bit like the sailors. Remember those, those you know, the, the sailors as he was traveling the, the Mediterranean. So here's the question. When you look at that story, you think of the Ninevites, you think of Jonah. Which one are we more like? Which one do we more closely relate to? 